Hello, Kofkin Bond listeners, and welcome back to Podcast 27. We're talking about kids today, so getting your kids involved in the financial journey. Um, I'm here with the parent in the room and the, Tony. So, Tony, welcome. Thank you, Jamie. So, <laughs> this is one you are definitely passionate about, um, kids and saving money and not spending it on avocado on toast. Mm, yes, it's... Uh, it's been a well-debated topic, even by a friend of ours through the football club, Ollie Curry, on his podcast, uh, when he had a massive go at Tim Gurner for being on 60 Minutes and talking about the fact of savings. Yeah, so it's, uh, if you're listening, Ollie, how are you, mate? <laughs> Good man. Um, look, great man. What, we, what we want to do today, though, is touch on a few different scenarios, but we... We're seeing a lot of our um, clients' children get involved, um, and it's something that we try to do with all of our clients because it's important that we might be looking after a parent's wealth, but one day that is going to pass down in the generations. And we've touched on it in other podcasts, but today we want to sort of start with that younger generation um, and talk about the importance of actually jumping into that financial journey early and no. where that can get them to. And I, I, think, I think there's two components to that, Jamie, is that every single person on this earth is a child of someone. That's true. Yeah, so it's, uh, they, they had to be, they might not like know or know their parents or who they are. Uh, others might love them um, and think they're absolutely wonderful. But, you know, I'm, I'm a son. Uh, I am too. Yeah, that's right. So there you go. So that's the one thing we have in common, isn't yeah. it? And so but we're both children. I guess, you know, everyone's financial journey is different. And I like your parents just like you like them yeah, too. So not, there you they're go. They're not bad. They're not bad. <laughs> they're but not. you... We, we talk about that financial journey and it's going to be different for everyone and everyone's going to have different capacities as to what they can do. Um, but, you know, the, that question as a 21-year-old is, I've got no money so I can't really, you know, do anything with my finances where we find that completely wrong. Yeah. Um, so we're going to touch on a few examples today but I, I see that you've got your note, notes and books in front of you which is fantastic um, and you've actually got some notes from a book that you're a massive fan of. Yeah. Um, and we're going to touch on that and, and some of the statistics that that gives us as well. Well, I'm such a fan of the book that I bought a copy for everyone in here and made you all read it Indeed, as did. part of our book club. So Indeed. it's, um, you know, kicking or screaming or whatever, I didn't, I, you, had to make, you had to read it and I don't think there was anyone who didn't enjoy it. No, and we, we actually did go through this one together and I think every few chapters that we stopped. But the book is called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, by the way, so you might want to put that in the link. Yeah, and yeah, I think so. uh, Peter Turin was the one that passed this book on to you? He was. Peter actually bought me this. Is this the book that Peter did? Because he actually, I think Peter signed it for me. So it was very nice. So as soon as I see Peter on a weekly basis. But it's, uh, no, but he actually bought this book for me. He thought it was tremendous and pretty much uh, easy to do and easy not to do, which is Peter's trademark quote is actually in this book. Yeah. Uh, things, it's, you know, it's easy to do and easy not to do. And I suppose that's one of the things that I will um, touch on in here. Uh, it is uh, trademarked to Peter, but it is so true. Things yeah. are easy to do, easy not to do. So it's um. So let's touch on it. I'm a 21 year old. Um, I've got my first job. I've just finished uni. You know, I, I haven't got thousands in the bank, um, but I'm ready to start thinking about it. But Jamie, I know your drinking habits when you're 21, and you would have had tens of thousands in the bank if you actually cut back on your and your beer consumption. Yeah, well, that's that's let's just say I didn't have thousands in the bank at the time. <laughs> but what steps can someone start to take at that that part of the journey? I think I think it actually goes back a, a part as well, and I'd I'd like to start in a, with a story that doesn't actually include twenty one year olds, if that's okay. Okay. Uh, without notice, um, 
There is a great friend of mine uh, who is also a client by the name of Rob Conti. A lot of our clients know Rob because Rob is their accountant. And Rob is your traditional accountant, lovely guy. And Rob and I catch up regularly at a milk bar uh, down in Thornbury and for breakfast. Northgate too. Is it Northgate, is it? You, try, you oh. miss it every time. Okay, it's Northgate. <laughs> yeah. so uh, but anyway, it's interesting because, you know, Rob, Rob came of that uh, generation where he w- was an immigrant to Australia, he worked hard, saved money, purchased a house. Uh, worked hard, saved money, purchased another house. So worked hard, saved money, purchased another house. No, and, and a lot of the immigrants we've touched on this in the podcast have been very successful by doing that. And their forced savings was purchasing a house and paying it off. That was their forced savings. And we're sitting there one day and in the wonderful suburb of Northcote and in this milk bar. And what Rob said is what he doesn't understand is all these people in here complaining that they cannot afford to buy a house. Yet when he's here, they're spending $60 on breakfast, $70 on breakfast with their kids before they go across the road to the primary school. And he said, if they can't afford to buy a house, but they can spend $70 a morning, or maybe not maybe every morning, maybe it's $200 a week, uh, on, so it's $800 a month, which is nearly $10,000 after tax a year on breakfast for the family and the kids, but they're complaining they can't save money for a house. So they're willing to sacrifice that part on lifestyle, uh, but will complain that they can't afford to buy a house because of people like Rob. And what I said to Rob is, I don't understand why you're complaining, Rob. And he goes, because they're always whinging. And I said, but don't you understand? You own all the houses, they, they rent off you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, and Rob has been that classic of worked hard, saved his money, bought the property. Worked hard, saved money, bought the property. He's installed that same work ethic in his children. Work hard, save the money, purchase the property. So that has actually gone down a generation where he is a successful landlord by hard work, by virtue of hard work, and has a good lifestyle by virtue of hard work as well. So it is interesting we talk about the avocado on toast, which I had for breakfast this morning, but it was gluten-free toast. So it was... um, But the... The fact is, is that sometimes to be able to achieve certain things in life, it is the small sacrifices that you actually have to make to be able to achieve what you want. And yeah, look, I guess I come from that younger generation and I see those points and I guess we always have that topic here. Where but I, you weren't spoiled, Jamie. You, no, you, know, I, you and I, Sash came from very hardworking family. Yeah, but I, I guess for, for me as well, I also do enjoy make. Sometimes I don't make those little sacrifices because I do enjoy the lifestyle thing. And I think but that's you've saved that, your money and just bought your first place. Yeah, I think they're that great. That's that great balance in a city trendy <laughs> suburb <laughs> of Clifton Hill. But I, I think that's you know this is where we'll talk about the moves that people can make to start you know. It's also enjoying that lifestyle, but it's also making some little sacrifices to start putting money away that it can compound over that time. So that's where we'll touch on now. Um, yep. And we talk about the what we can actually do. Well, we, we actually openly encourage our clients who, are, who have children of my children's age, who are nearly 23 and 21, um, and, you know, about actually watching them start to save early and start to invest early. And as I mentioned earlier, sometimes the best form of saving 
is by having to repay debt. Now, I don't mean debt where you've gone and spent $2,000 on clothes uh, because you weren't feeling great about your wardrobe and then having to repay that. I'm talking about investment debt, and that has always been a philosophy behind investment properties, of course. And being a country boy, that doesn't include getting a uh, $20,000 loan and then you get out of school to go buy an SSU. Yeah, I know, so, <laughs> and you don't even have an apprenticeship yet. <laughs> so it's, um, but that, that that's... That's like the clothes, and that usually is a depreciating asset, you know. So, the I think the the key is is that, and, and we've had it on numerous occasions, and even Josh in here when he first started working has done it himself. And one of the things is, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go through this, and bear with me for a moment, please, listeners. But let's talk about the 23 year old who has started nursing, got a career, got her first full time job, come down from the country, lives in the city. Um, and parents have always been hard workers and saved and done quite well for themselves, very well for themselves in fact, and now they're encouraging their professional children to do the same. So they've actually engaged us to have a chat to them. So this uh, young lady has come in, she's got a first full-time job, she's doing really well for herself, but she's a total novice to investing. So one of the biggest fears that sometimes people have when can they come to investing is they don't know where to turn. You know, they might have seen mum and dad do things successfully or think mum and dad are well off, but mum and dad aren't well off by winning touch lotto. They're well off because they've worked hard and actually saved, with discipline, saved their money. So they want to get ahead in life too. And what is interesting is she has really good savings capacity. But let's say her savings capacity is $250 a month. $3,000 a year. So basically what she has done now, um, if, if this uh, identifies with a certain individual, I'm not now talking about you. Mm-hmm. Let's say, for example, all she's had to do to save $250 a month, she no longer has to, she just has skips one breakfast, paid breakfast, or one paid lunch per week. Okay, so... If that's the case, and she's now saved $250 a month, one thing I can guarantee you is that saving $250 a month or investing $250 a month, you're not going to miss it. If it's just automatically, if you bought a car and you had to repay $250 a month, it's automatically deducted from your bank account, you don't miss it. You know, Jamie, you pay a mortgage, it comes out of your bank account every month, it's just there. You don't miss it because you, you've, you've built your lifestyle around making repayments. Yeah, I was going to say, I'd love it to come back. <laughs> <laughs> One day it will, many times over, as you're well aware. Yeah. So it's, um, but I, I think the key is, is that that's just $3,000 per year. Yep. And we're not even talking about any debt here. They just say 3000 per year. And let's just assume a 7% return, a balanced fund of just earning 7% return reinvested the dividends. In year one, they've saved $3,000, and on that return, they've now got $3,112.48. That 12 months of discipline to save less than two weeks of your savings to earn in interest, you're thinking, this just isn't worth it. You know, I've, I've, I've worked hard, I've sacrificed, I've saved $3,000, and all I've earned is $112. Why am I doing this? What an absolute waste of time and money. So that's the normal attitude. Why would I do that, make those sacrifices to earn a hundred bucks? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But now let's look, look at time. The fact is one of the greatest things that they're doing is they're starting young. So in this case, she's starting at age 23. 
she actually invests that three thousand dollars, and every year she has to discipline, not including inflation. Every year she has to discipline that every month two hundred and fifty dollars is just being saved. In year two, that six thousand dollars is now worth six thousand four hundred eighty-three dollars and thirty cents. Four hundred eighty dollars of hard years, two years of hard work and saving. Once again, it's is the sacrifice worth it for to earn four hundred eighty dollars? But now what's happened is if we have a look at uh, in year twenty, she's now got a balance of one hundred twenty thousand and twenty-one dollars. So let's look at a year twenty now. So in oh, sorry, at age forty. So in year eighteen, she's now got one hundred twenty thousand dollars. She has been so disciplined during that period of time, she's now got 120 grand sitting there. That's far better than the original $112. She's doing, she's starting to see actually that it's been worthwhile. It's really been worthwhile. But at this stage, because life changes, um, you know, she decides she's not going to touch that money, but she's not going to invest another dollar ever. And that 120,000 is just going to sit there and compounding, still continually earn that 7%. She needs that two extra $250 now because her and her future uh, partner are going to go on holidays every year. That's going to cost three grand. Yep. Okay, so let's just assume that. That's great, the 120 grand. You think, has that been worth the 18 years of hard work? She decides not to touch it. We come now to her retiring at age 67 when she's eligible for the age pension. Unfortunately, she's not going to get it because during their working life, she's had superannuation paid for it, and she has invested. But in 18 years, she invested $54,000, and that was worth $120,000. So she's made a $70,000 gain on that. That's a great start. But at age 67, her $120,000 has now grown to a million and thirty-three thousand dollars. She's invested fifty-four grand. And just by benefit of time and patience is now getting back a million dollars. But let's take her friend from the same country town who might be sitting across the table from me now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, and her friend has decided, nah, that $250 is going towards a new set of shoes or a new pair of runners or a new pair of jeans or a jumper that will be worn four times every single month. It's, it's just going to be blown. Okay, so just on something aimless that they won't even remember that they've actually had. But at age 40, the friend turns around and says, boy, i got to do something about this. Okay, I'm going to have to start saving now. And that friend decides, has a look at how well this friend has done and says, wow, you've done really well. I've decided now I'm going to be disciplined and I'm going to save $250 a month and I'm going to put away that $3,000 a year. The friend's 40 now, okay, so says, if you can do it, I'm going to now do it. And that friend, for the next 27 years, invests $81,000, okay, because they're now investing up until age 67. They've invested $81,000 to only get back $285,000 because they've only had the funds invested there uh, from the age of 40 for 27 years, whereas her friend has gone and had invested for 18 years, 54,000, but has left the money there for 45 years. That's the power of compounding. That's the power of starting early. That's the power of sometimes making these sacrifices early. And sometimes it's a case of starting with an investment of say $10,000 and then saying, let's go and borrow $10,000, so I have 20,000 invested, 
pay off that $10,000 over two years and do it again. Pay off that $10,000 over two years and do it again. All your initial investment was $10,000 and then you're just saving that $300 a month, which part of it is actually tax deductible. The interest component you paid about 5% is tax deductible. So what you've done is that million dollars can end up being two and a half million dollars. But it's the power of time, getting a small return, the power of time and compounding over that period of time. It's like if I ate a croissant every morning, I'd be the size of a house uh, within 15 years time. That croissant every morning is nice, but that power of compounding effect of that extra one pound a month that I put on compounds to being an extra 50 kilos heavier by the time I'm 70. Now, I don't want diabetes and I don't want Alzheimer's disease and I don't want to die young. So, it's, uh, so, so the basis of it is that's the example we always like to give of starting young. Yeah. And look, sometimes I guess you know, a client's not always going to start with that money and save it to the end of their retirement. There may no. be things that come up and they need that fund. But yep. You know, as they get older, as their wage increases, you know, it's about putting a bit more money away. And that, that sort of, that amount of money can grow fairly quickly um, once they start keeping it in there, once they start investing, reinvesting, uh, and actually putting it aside instead of just pulling it out sort of once a year and blowing it on a nice holiday. Well, I was uh, 22 when I joined this industry, and a blink of a mind, now 50. Yeah. So it does happen. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, it. Time, you know, time won't slow down for anyone. Uh, and but the fact is, is that whether you start this year, next year, whether you start smaller amounts or whatever, the point is actually starting. Yeah. The point is actually making that effort because a lot of people don't have that discipline to actually save on that monthly basis, and they think it's okay. I'll start next year. It's okay. I'll start next year. And don't get me wrong. I've I've got no issues with. Uh, going overseas and spending a bit of money oh, I was and things say, like we're, that. We're recording a few. We're recording a few podcasts today because you're just setting off to Europe. I am just setting off to Europe. Uh, it's you know it's a promise I made to my children a few years back, and yeah, I arrive in Barcelona on two p.m. on Monday, uh, and at seven thirty p.m. I'm taking them to soccer to see Barcelona versus Villarreal. And for their dream to come true to watch Lionel Messi play uh, for Barcelona, we, we would have much preferred to watch him play for Manchester United, but we'll cope with okay. Barcelona. So it's um, so yeah, that, but that's that's a dream, yeah. something that's worked towards, and something that's saved. Cool. Yeah, and that and that's can, can be sometimes as well. We talk about investing, but maybe someone's goal is to just save for that holiday. But absolutely, you know, it's not just going to come around and you're going to have that money. You need to start having that discipline to start putting away money to achieve those dreams. Well, I still had to save for that holiday. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, how would you encourage, I guess, our clients, parents, um, people out there to start getting their kids to have that discipline and start getting involved? I think sometimes it's a case of that people are fearful what they don't know and they don't necessarily know who to turn to. So when we have clients who have been clients here for many, many years, who, you know, there's, there's one client who's been a client here for 20 years, we now look after his son who's 28. Um, so his son was, you know, in grade two or grade three when he first became a client. Uh, now. Uh, you know, unfortunately, his mum passed away of early onset Alzheimer's um, about a year ago now. 
but what we're looking at doing is intergenerational wealth transfer and helping him secure his future. You know, once again, dad, hard work, mum and dad, both hard workers, saved their money, have done really well for themselves. But now it's a case of the son uh, being looked after and being helped during that period of time. So from that basis, I've known that family since uh, the young fella was a real young fella. Now he's your age now. So it's, uh, but that's... So a young fella then. He's still a young fella, <laughs> he is. So it's, uh, but when you consider that situation, we're doing that for two reasons. And that is that by doing the intergenerational wealth transfer work now, we're potentially saving him, his estate, you know, four or $500,000 in tax uh, by doing the transfers now rather than waiting, which we hope in is a very long time in the future, but waiting for dad to pass away and then transfer it at that stage. So that's a case of dad sitting down with us and we're saying, well, it's in the family's best interest. They only had the one child. It's in the family's best interest to start looking at this now and educating him on the long-term effects, you know, and uh, Dad has seen the ups and downs of the markets. You know, he's he's been invested with us through uh, planes flying into buildings, through uh, tech crashes, through uh, GFCs, uh, the whole lot. He's still done very well for himself. Um, so that's an education piece for the child. And we have other clients whose children, are they now are helping with that same thing, intergenerational wealth transfer, ensuring that the, once again, very, very successful family, been a client for about 20 plus years, uh, but their children are actually my age. Uh, one of them is a year younger yeah, and one was, of them is a year funny, older. Funny, Josh was asking questions the other day and he said, how can the children be 50? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, thanks Josh, but I'm still a child, you know, so in, in my mother's eyes anyway. So it's, uh, children never grow up in the eyes of their mother, Jamie. You'll, you'll learn that in 22 that years time. Um, so, but yeah, it's a case of, I suppose when Josh thinks of children, he thinks of 22 year olds. Uh, because him being that child but yeah that's that's a case though of still educating the children now to what's being done why it's being done how they're benefiting and for both of them it's a case of this is the first time they've been involved in investing outside of property from this perspective so it's a brand new learning curve for them as well which yeah. which is you know it, it's great to get to know them and it's also good to know you know see children of my age actually taking a real interest in in their funds and in their money and actually making it work for them. Yeah, so look, I'd encourage all our clients to, even, even when we're having those reviews, you might be reviewing your own personal circumstance, but ask the advisors, you and Paul, that question yeah. of, you know, how can we help our children? Where can they start? Um, all those type of things. Because even if you can start getting that knowledge as a parent, it, it's good to pass it down and then you may get them involved that way. Absolutely. Don't, don't necessarily wait for your children to ask the questions. Encourage them. Uh, and ask them what are they doing and how, how can they help you know we you know sometimes we're accused of and rightfully so being the generation that has brought a whole lot of uh, softies into the world oh here we go come on just, <laughs> you did have to get me. <laughs> I'm not saying every anyone in this room is soft. <laughs> so it's a, but when you when you think about it, the one thing that and it, it's it's like for example, my mum will say you had it so easy compared to how her and her and dad had it. And guess what? Absolutely, we did. And her and dad, as hard as their life was, was easier than what their parents had it. 
And so go back generations and realistically, you know, it, it doesn't matter where you come from that every generation does have it a little bit easier than the past. And half the reason actually being is because we don't want you know, any struggles I had. And my mum reckons that I had a good life, but any struggles I had, I didn't necessarily want my children to go through. And the same with uh, your parents, Jamie, and, and you know Paul's parents and everyone else. So it really, when you, when you consider it, we have... There, there is a, there is some parts um, of a certain, you know, millennial generation that sits out there that actually has never experienced failure, and never experienced rejection, and I think through that, the sometimes they can have fear of doing things because there can be that fear of failure. Now, if you never have to try something or start something, so for example, I spoke about seven percent returns. I can't sit here and say the markets are going to earn you seven percent year in year out. It could be in a bad year negative 2% if you're aiming for that balance fund and in a good year you might get positive 11% but you're not going to get 7% year in year out but that negative 2% can put people into massive tailspin in panics especially if they if they don't necessarily understand that or have that education process of what can happen so I think when on that basis and I'm blaming my generation for this is that educating your children that you are allowed to try and fail at things is sometimes really hard to do because we don't want our kids falling over and scraping their knees. It's simple as that. So we want to help them at every opportunity. Bailing them out is not helping them through any opportunity. Educating them to really do well for themselves is. Fantastic. Tony, thank you very much for your time. Um, I appreciate it. I apologise to any 23-year-olds out there who are offended (laughs) by what I just said. (laughs) You said it all with a smile on your face. So I I appreciate your time and uh, look forward to the next podcast. Thanks, Jamie.